Welcome to Food Farms and Chefs radio show, where we highlight everyone from the top industry leaders to startups and farmers that make it all possible with Chef Jean Blom and photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Hi, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am very happy to introduce you to Tracy Medeiros, who is an author of several cookbooks and has received numerous accolades. You're also a contributor to a variety, uh, a couple of different publications as well. So welcome to Food Farms and Chefs. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Um, I have to say first, before I get into a little bit about your history and how you you know, came about to writing a, you know, various cookbooks and contributing to recipe um, development, you, you've definitely jumped um, from one extreme to another because you are initially uh, graduated with a BA in political science and you have a diploma for paralegal before you, you know, in- introduced yourself into the world of col- the culinary uh, world officially. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that like? What kind of inspired you to move or transition from from something that is so vastly different in, you know, career choices? Well, I always loved food. I like as a child, I just thoroughly enjoyed cooking. I loved watching Julia Child. So it's funny when you ask that question. For me, it wasn't that big of a jump, but I can certainly see because I get that question a lot, you know, political science to culinary arts. How does that, you know, happen? But I always love food. So for me, um, I just decided one day to really follow my passion And I went to Johnson and Wales and I knew immediately when I was in their culinary program, this, this was me. This is what I've always was meant to do. I enjoyed everything about, you know, Johnson and Wales. It was just such a wonderful experience. And when I was going to culinary school, I started dabbling in uh, television and interviewing chefs. And then things just started snowballing from there, writing articles and doing TV appearances. And when I was in culinary school, I knew I wanted to do a cookbook someday. And when I moved to Vermont uh, almost 19 years ago, I just fell in love with the state. If you love food, Vermont is the place to live. And like a lot of folks who aren't though truly familiar with Vermont's food scene, they think of Vermont, you know, the beautiful cheeses and the amazing maple syrup and all the wonderful dairy products. But when I moved here and I went to the co-ops and the farmer's markets, I'm like, I love this bread. I love these jams. And I wanted to buy a cookbook that utilized these products. And I soon realized they were a rare commodity. So the idea uh, for me to write a cookbook about Vermont started to become a reality. And, and I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> keep going. 
Oh, so what happened for me was I decided to do some research and I came across this wonderful organization known as the Vermont Fresh Network. And for your listeners who aren't familiar with this wonderful organization, they basically pair farmers with chefs. And I just started calling these folks up and I said, I'm thinking about putting a cookbook together. What are your thoughts about sending me a recipe or two? And if you were a farmer, I asked for a recipe that best showcased what they produced. And if you are a chef or a restaurant owner, I asked for you to contribute a recipe or two that got the word out there about a chef that you loved or a product that you loved. And I soon started getting all of these recipes. I felt like it was Christmas and I would go and I would go to my emails and I would just be so excited. I would be like, wow, I love that idea, how you compare this with this. And because I've never written at that point a cookbook before, I wanted to get out of something called a slush pile. And for those listeners who aren't familiar with the slush pile, it's just basically the daunting large pile of manuscripts that oftentimes an intern will go through them and decide what will be placed in front of an editor. So I needed to be creative and I wanted to get out of that pile. So when I was about 90% done with my first book, I looked online again, I did research and I really wanted to find a publishing house that loved this potential book as much as I did and to really embrace these farmers and really get it. And so I came across this one publishing house and I said, okay, I think this is the home. I'm going to call her. I'm going to call the editor. And I, looking back, I'm like, ooh, (laughs) I cringe thinking about it because I'm like, oh, I could have gone so poorly. And so I called and I thought, you know what? I'm going to get her voicemail. She's never going to get the phone. And she picked up the phone and obviously it was like seconds. But to me, it seemed like time had just slowed down. My heart was beating. My mouth was getting dry. And I'm like, oh, this could be so bad. And I introduced myself and she said, Tracy, you know what? We just had done a main cookbook. And it had done so well that we were discussing about doing a Vermont cookbook. How far along are you? And I said, I am 90% done. And she said, send it to us. And I did. And I soon had a contract after that. And how the first edition of the Vermont Farm Table Cookbook came about was I received an email from the previous editorial director at Countrymen. And he said, if you ever do another cookbook again, please contact us. So years later, I was writing a column for the Colchester Sun and the Essex Reporter, and it was around, again, farmers and chefs and food producers and support your farmer, love your farmer, buy local, and I just felt that energy again. Uh, Farmers spending, you know, time with me, 
allowing me to, in, in, you know, uh, interview them when they're just so tired and, you know, working on the fields. And I said, you know what, I think I have another book again. So I said, okay, I'm going to find this gentleman's name again in my emails and I'm going to contact him. He's probably never going to remember me because it's years later um, and I'm just going to go for it. And I contacted him and he's like, yes, Tracy, I remember you. Please send me, you know, what you have. And before I sent my manuscript to him, I went to my editor at the newspaper. And I said, I'm thinking about turning this into a column. What do you think? And she said, go for it. And when I received um, an email from the current editorial director at Countryman to revise the Vermont Farm Table Cookbook and make it the anniversary edition, I said, absolutely, I would be interested in revising this. Anything to help these farmers, anything to get the word out there, because that's the first thing that goes with farmers and farming is the marketing aspect, because it's so expensive. And if I can get the word out there and do whatever I can to show my appreciation for what they do. I said, sure, I'll revise it. And here we are. And I mean, I have to say, like, that's kind of a big point because that's something that we do. We would like to give everybody a platform to like, you know, get your get your noise, uh, voice, get your name out there and get what you do and show appreciation for what you do. And um, and I want to say that I looked, by the way, I never eat before my my show because I, I don't know if, if you could hear me, but I was like clearing my throat, trying not to burp. But um, I was I was looking through some of the recipes or whatnot, for, you know, about an hour ago um, and I was getting more and more hungry to the point where I was like, I need to eat something. <laughs> I see. I love that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, and it's interesting. Some of the stuff that you do, because some of it's, you know, not anything that I've thought of. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a self-taught uh, chef, not, I've never gone to school, but I've created recipes for um, magazines in the past. And it did like, that's actually how I got started in all of this in the first place. But I want to say that you, I appreciate the fact that you break it down and you actually not just show the recipe and how to cook it um, through what recipes were contributed. You give a synopsis and highlight the farmers or the restaurant tours or the chefs that are contributing too. So it's, it's almost like a little bit of a history and, you know, location um, highlight as well, in addition to the recipes that are being, you know, that people can follow along. Well, thank you for pointing that out because it, for me, it, it, with all of my books, it's so important to put a profile in there to bridge that gap. So folks know what goes into growing and why say a tomato might cost what it costs. Yeah. So it's so important. And also, too, I like to widen the net as much as possible. So all of the recipes, you know, are for amateur and expert cooks. And also the profiles might be for someone who doesn't cook that often, but loves to read 
cookbooks. So this yes. is also like a travel guide too, to get folks excited to visit the state of Vermont. But if you can't, you can read about it. You can educate yourself about it. And anything that I can do to educate folks, to keep these people on the land, but not only that, to entice the next generation, to get them excited too, and to feel the love and to feel the support. That is my goal. And I hope when folks read the profiles, you know, maybe that will inspire them to become a farmer. Who knows? Or maybe a chef. Yeah. You never know. You never know where your inspiration comes from and who, you know, who down the line uh, who you've inspired to, to, you know, walk down this path. But, um, in the last five minutes or so that I have you, uh, I want to make sure that we mention the fact that, you know, the, the latest version of your book, which is the 10th anniversary, um, and the updated version. So you had to say goodbye to some of your pre, you know, the, the previous farmers and contributors, um, of the original, uh, version of this, but the Vermont Farm Table Cookbook, uh, the 10th anniversary edition is is going to be out and available for purchase. Um, and, you know, you're highlighting, you know, obviously different, as we had discussed, different um, locations, different farmers, different chefs and restaurateurs that are in the Vermont area. Um, but I want to mention the fact that something that's very seasonal because it's summertime and something that's fresh and, you know, light and but like packs a punch of flavor is your grilled shrimp with smugglers watch vodka and mango cocktail sauce oh yes so are you big into like cocktail sauces and things like that are you a big seafood person i'm a huge seafood person you are well that is fabulous uh over the top that is an, an amazing amazing recipe and it's and that's the thing too with these they're not that difficult to do. A handful of ingredients, and you can certainly, if you have to entertain, you can certainly wow your visitors. And another great one too, because strawberries will be in season depending on where you are. Ours is starting at, like I would say, any day now. Honey Roads, and they're located in Burlington between Church Street and Maine. And the two co-owners are Chef Allison and Chef Cara. And they contributed this Lebanese summer salad. And it's a bread salad. And it just does a beautiful job showcasing the summer's bounty. You have the juicy strawberries, the sweet blueberries, you have the crispness from the romaine lettuce, and then this black licorice kick from the fennel. And Mm. instead of croutons, it uses toasted pita bread. That is another fabulous too. And again, uh, simple to make. So if there's someone out there that has a lot of strawberries, say they have a CSA or they're growing their own strawberries or blueberries and they're like, I have an abundance. What do I do with these? Throw them in this salad. It is fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, and speaking of of salads, you you also have a burrata one that (gasps) it. Oh, yes. Oh, the Maple Brook Farms burrata salad with the local spinach, again, strawberries, a basil pesto, pistachios, and aged balsamic vinegar. 
And let me tell you, the Maple Brook Farms Barada, they're located in North Bennington. They do this old world techniques of stretching the curd into the mozzarella and filling it with this amazing local cream and strands of mozzarella and it gives a luscious texture and there's just so many layers of textures because you have the crunchiness from the pistachios and then the sweetness from the strawberries and the I mean the basil pesto is just amazing I love that and again like the other two we were just discussing handful of ingredients you can make it really quickly And your family will love you. Yes. And to go along with that, you also have a whole bread section because I know a lot of people love, you know, having salads with bread. So you have anything from something sweet, like a scone, you know, which to to like an actual bread, which uh, I mean, again, who doesn't love carbs? (laughs) Oh, I'm a big carb eater. And that's my thing. I want when I do any actually of my books, I want to include everyone. So I'll have someone that's, you know, a vegetarian, there's some recipes in there. Like we just discussed fish. I have some, you know, seafood in there, you know, something folks who love salads, I have something for everyone in there because, again, I find it, it that is the key. In order to have this movement to continue to flourish and grow, you have to include everyone and you have to get everyone excited. And that is my goal. Okay. And that's a great goal, but we are out of time. So can you let our listeners know where to find you and find your book? Absolutely. You can find my book at places anywhere, really where books are sold. But if you really need me to um, name some places, certainly Amazon, you can get it certainly at Barnes and Noble, Bookshop, uh, Indie, and you can reach me at um, my website, which is Tracy Medeiros, T-R-A- C-E-Y-M-E-D-E-I-R-O-S.com or on Facebook. Then the page is Vermont Farm Table Cookbook. And that's the Facebook address. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs, Tracy. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. No problem. And we will be right back after the short break. Join us on Food Farms and Chefs Radio Show, where we highlight everyone from top industry leaders to startups and the farmers who make it all possible with co-hosts Jean Blum and Amaris Pollock with original episodes that debut every Tuesday at 6 p.m. on WWDB 97.5 HD2 and at wwdbam.com and on your smart speaker. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs. I am very excited because I am introducing you to the Director of Operations for Daddio's in LBI, along Daddio's uh, Hotel, and it's a restaurant, and also Tucker's Tavern, which is in LBI, Pete Palladino. Pete, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thanks so much for having us. (laughs) No problem. I I mean, myself and my my dog here. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I mean, we love animals too. So as pets, not just eat. (laughs) 
one of those awkward statements that I'm going to make. But um, so I had the luxury of being introduced to Daddio's in LBI, both the hotel and the restaurant as a staycation. And I want to say for our listeners out there, it's ridiculously comfortable, the beds and it's cute, like big, huge uh, bathrooms that have high-end amenities along with the fact that you walk in and on the wall is like a bottle of wine. Like you don't have to order it. It's right there in case if you want to open up a bottle of wine, celebrate your vacation. In in case of emergency, break glass. That's what it is. Exactly. (laughs) But if you know, if you're not in that emergent uh, situation, you do also have the restaurant, which is downstairs. And to say that the food was amazing is an understatement. Awesome. Thank you. But enough about me talking about Daddio's. Why don't you (laughs) let our listeners know um, some more insight um, about Daddio's and, you know, how how it came to be? Sure. So the site where Daddio is now, uh, it's, it's been a restaurant. It was a restaurant before we had it for, I gotta say, 30 years before that. It used to be a place called Wita's. We bought it and renovated the entire thing, took it down to its studs in 2006. You know, and that was, it, it was fun. I think when we opened in 2006, it was not quite the dining scene that we see today on LBI. So, I think Daddio was a little, I think uh, the locals didn't know what to make of us, I think, when, when we first opened. You know, our philosophy has always been it doesn't just have to be a, a good restaurant for the beach. It's got to be a great restaurant, you know, to stand alone against any others because our competition is, it's everywhere now. So we we tried to do something at Daddio. Um, we always try to do, you know, a fresh take on old classics. Um, Daddio has got to be hip, cool, fun. Um, you know, it's like worth, you know, it's beach culture. So it's just like, it doesn't have to be tricky. It's just got to be great. You know, and so we have a 22 room boutique hotel there as well, which is super fun. I mean, we'll get people that come down and spend the week with us uh, and don't, you know, they park their car and they don't drive again until they're leaving us because there's so many great experiences that you could have there, whether it be on our rooftop deck at the rooftop bar up there or sitting out in our rum garden or inside, you know, like there's all different experiences uh, and the beach is only five houses away. So it's pretty awesome. Yes. And, uh, you know, you have the bay and the beach, the actual ocean, like, you know, you're kind of in between the two, which is, you know, dealer's choice, basically, because I do like the calmness of the bay. But the beach, of course, you know, is just wonderful to sit, watch the waves, you know, go play in the sand and the sun and, of course, the ocean. Um, but, you know, after after a day under under the sun, you want kind of want to pack it in, like come back to your room relax a little bit and you have that rooftop bar, you know, space and you have that outdoor area where your rum bar, um, which is wonderful as well. Um, we were able to taste some, some cocktails that were made with, uh, of all things, Hampton water, which is John Bon Jovi and Jesse Bon Jovi. Um, and I forget who their third partner is, um, off the top of my head, but, you know, they have a rosé that, you know, is fat, fantastic, but you guys made margaritas utilizing that. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I, I think, you know, this is the first year that we partnered with these guys. Uh, you know, uh, everybody loves rosé, especially when you're sitting outside. So it, it seemed like a logical choice. Um, they're making some great cocktails with it as well. So kind of a different approach to the way that you're consuming rosé as opposed to just drinking it straight. Um yes. You know, and it's, uh, 
Look, I love I love the rum bar. Our, our, our rum bar is uh, when I'll go to Daddio, that's where I'll sit. And <laughs> is you just feel like you're transported to a different place. Yes. And um, and then I want to also mention the fact that like it, you take your to- cocktail inside to Daddio's, the restaurant portion of it. And, um, you know, enjoy something absolutely delicious, too, from your chef. Yes. We've got um, our culinary director, Jeff Alberti, um, is my partner in crime down here. He is just, um, his food's wonderful. He's very thoughtful. Um, You know, we always believe that if you're going to, you know, food's got to make a statement. And so that if it's going to have, you know, Chipotle in it, it's like, let's go there. You know what I mean? Like, let's go all the way. you know, and so I think, I think, you know, our Caesar salad is, you know, the best Caesar salad dressing that I've ever had. I think our scallops are, are excellent. You know, it's like, so we're very lucky that we get to draw on all this, this local economy, amazing fisheries around here. The scallops are from right off Barnegat Light. The tuna is from just offshore. Um, you know, the flounders from just offshore. So, uh, and then a little bit inland, we get to work with all these fantastic farms. So tomatoes are wonderful and the corn is great in the middle of the summer. So, um, we're pretty lucky down here. You are. And I was too. I actually had the, um, the, the scallops with the risotto, yeah. which was phenomenal. Um, I, I was stuffed. And like, the thing is, is, you know, we, we tried a, a bunch of hors d'oeuvres and, and, you know, or appetizer starters, whichever way you want to, uh, you know, put that little label on, but we started out with, you know, a variety of options for your starters, the, um, the, the tuna tacos were like phenomenal. They had like just that spice and like just well-balanced all together. Um, and I mean, I, there was so many items. Like, I'm like, my brain is like, I can't decide which one to talk about. Uh, (laughs) And like, you know, some of my partners in crime that were seated around me were, um, were ordering various seafood, seafood options too. But there was one person who ordered chicken, I have never seen chicken parmesan like in such a huge portion. <laughs> like, I was yeah, thinking- that, was our, that was our chicken milanese. It's uh, <laughs> gigantic. It is probably you know sixteen inches across. Yeah, I've. I mean, it was enormous, and I'm just like, I don't know if you can eat all that in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, like, aside from just the fact that you have, you know, obviously you're, you know, you have cocktails, you you have dinner, you have. Um, Ben's and brunch, which you had just started as well. Yeah. So we partnered with, um, our friend Katie over at, uh, yoga Bohemia, which is a, a local studio. They've got three locations. Um, you know, so we were kind of toying with different ideas of how to do work together, uh, and landed on this Ben's and brunch. The idea is to, uh, you go up, a ticket gets you beach yoga right at the end of our street, right on our beach. Um, so you do beach yoga for an hour and a half. And then wander back and you can have brunch at Daddio. So the whole idea was feed your mind and then feed your your belly. Um, you know, so that just started uh, yesterday. So it goes for the rest of the summer. And I mean, I was able, I didn't participate in the actual like yoga part. I actually sat and like, you know, was taking photos because it's me. I'm a photographer too. Um <laughs> But it's it's just kind of a beautiful experience um, and and just being able to be like do yoga and, you know, be one with nature in such a peaceful setting is awesome. And waking up in that 
very comfortable. I really cannot extend to like explain to our listeners how comfortable those beds were. <laughs> I have, yeah. I have, tr- yeah, I have trouble sleeping and I like had zero problem sleeping. <laughs> That's great. I mean, look, you know, that is uh, the main part of a hotel is the bed. So it better be awesome. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it's, and not to like fixate on that because I mean, just everything, like every part of the experience of, of staying at your hotel and eating at the restaurant was phenomenal. Um, and I want to mention the fact that included in the fact that, you know, you, you can just park your car and you don't have to move it until you, you check out. Um, you guys also offer, um, the availability to rent, you know, beach chairs and towels and bikes, because one of the big things around, uh, beach, beach areas, especially LBI, is you see people like riding bicycles all over the place. You don't have to bring your bike. You guys have, have bikes available for, uh, for use. We do. We have a couple of vintage bikes and we can also, you know, get any sort of rental if you want to rent a surfboard or if you need more bikes. Um, All the beach amenities are included in your stay, beach badges, anything that you could want. We've tried to, you know, overthink it and over-engineer it so that people could just, you know, show up with their bathing suit and, you know, and we've got everything else. Yes. Um, Now, given that you've been, you know, a part of the fearless restaurants group, um, and a part of Daddio's and Tucker's Tavern for so long. What are some of your favorites, uh, for our listeners? If they, you know, if, and when, when I should say when they go on vacation, um, or even if they visit just the LBI to, for like, a an evening out, you know, what are some of the more popular dishes or something that you would recommend? So I would say, Certainly start your evening by going to the rooftop bar at Daddio and having, uh, you know, a tiki teeny cocktail or, you know, any sort of a, a martini as you kind of watch the sunset. Uh, come down. I think our sushi at Daddio is excellent. Uh, and so that's something that we do all summer long. Um, the tuna tacos, like you mentioned before, those things are, um, they're wonderful. We make them in-house every single day. Um, you know, I love, I'm a seafood lover. Uh, I live here, you know, so it's like anytime that we can get fresh seafood and scallops or literally came off a boat yesterday, you know, so those things are great. I think our tuna is wonderful at Daddio as well. Um, you know, and there's a little something for everybody, uh, but it is certainly an elevated dining experience more than some of the other beach restaurants that you see down here. Um, you know, and I think that, Certainly with COVID, you found people, um, you know, reevaluating how they, how they dine out and how they use restaurants as a whole. Um, you know, our philosophy has always been, you know, it can't be too precious because then people don't use you often. They'll use you for a special occasion. You know, we want to make sure that even though it's not precious, it needs to be awesome. There needs to be a wow factor to everything that arrives at your table. And, and there is a wow factor, 100%. Um, and including like when you walk in, like you just, you walk in, you see this restaurant that you think is going to be just a, like a small restaurant, but it just keeps going and going and going. <laughs> and yeah, you're like. Daddio is, uh, you know, we probably have 400 seats at Daddio and, and Tucker's is close to five. Mm-hmm. 
So, and, and that's the other thing is, you know, if you go there, you can also host, host events because you, you know, have that availability too. Yes. Yeah. We do all sorts of rehearsal dinners, weddings, um, you know, birthday parties, anything that you can imagine. Uh, and there's also the ability to do a buyout and you buy out the entire building, which for a wedding is pretty fun because you get all the hotel rooms, you get all the spaces. So, you know, basically you're just renting a big beach house. A very, very large one. <laughs> and I also want to mention the fact that like, cause I'm a huge coffee drinker. You have the Nespresso machines, but like, I didn't find the like very large Nespresso machine that like you could touch screen and like yeah. order the next day. And I was like, I was dying. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm very tired. Um, and I was like, Ooh, look, I can like, you can, and it, it's elaborate too. You can make dirty chais and uh, the mocha lattes and stuff like that. So, you know, you partnered and, or you have a partnership, I should say with Nespresso, obviously. And like, you have this huge thing and the uh, grab and grow, go breakfast too. We do. So yeah, all our coffee is by Lavazza. And so we partnered with Lavazza at uh, all, all the places and it's, it's, great like that machine if i could have that machine at my house that would be amazing because it's um you know the drinks that come out of there the espresso uh and the cappuccino that comes out of a one-touch machine is um it's not always great these are really wonderful and the grab and go breakfast you know we found that uh it's just that people when they are on vacation they just want to stop in grab a muffin or a bagel and they're headed out they're headed to the beach yeah um, so that is all included as well and and I I love that, and uh, you have Cliff bars too. I liked that as as uh, options because you know a little healthy uh, pack pack a punch of protein. Right. I, I did not mean to do an alliteration there. <laughs> I want to see that on the label. <laughs> um, but you know, for for any, our listeners out there who are thinking about, hey, I want to go to the beach. I want you know to spend a couple of days, or you know in during season or in season and off season, you're year round. We're open year round. We only close, you know, three days a year. And that is Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve and Christmas uh, open every other day. So if, you know, if you're looking to have a lot of fun and looking to enjoy yourself either at the beach or, you know, for, for um, a dining experience, go to daddios and, um, let our listeners know, you know, how they can rent, where they can find you. Sure. So we are on beautiful Long Beach Island, um, you know, which from Philadelphia is you can get there in less than an hour and a half. Um, you can check out all of our uh, our room amenities at daddyolbi.com. Uh, you can book rooms there. You could find us on Expedia and the old Expedia family of sites as well. Um, and all of our menus are at our website as well. And also, uh, you know, daddy LBI on Instagram and, um, you know, we, we do have a great Insta feed. So, um, Alex, who does our social media, you know, it's, it's very fun. Uh, you know, and so daddy is, again, it's all about, it's all about fun. And it, it was a lot of fun and it was relaxing. And I think I rolled out of there after all eating everything that I ate. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, but that's the way I think, um, you know, I like to eat for sure is just uh, so that we can, you know, you get a taste of it all. Yes. And um, all right. So for our listeners out there, check out Daddy O's, check out ta uh, Tucker's Tavern. 
Um, enjoy your time there because LBI is a wonderful place to visit. It is. We love LBI. It's a great show. You go over that bridge and it's like you, you go someplace else. Exactly. Um, on that particular note, Pete, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And I look forward to our next interaction. Yeah, let's do this again. So thank you so much for taking the time. No problem. To become a sponsor of Food Farms and Chefs and have your business or event promoted on two radio stations in Philadelphia that play on Tuesdays during Drive Time Radio and on a station in New York on Fridays at 1 p.m., you can email us at foodfarmsandchefs at yahoo.com, ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com, or arpolicus at gmail.com. Hi, welcome back to Food Farms and Chefs, and I am... Happy to introduce all of our listeners to Matthew Bo- Bowden, who oh, is the <laughs> right, who is the corporate executive chef of innovation and development for the SSA Group. Matthew, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thanks so much for having me. You got, you got my name right on the first try. It's not often. It's that French Canadian. I throw you for a loop. I know. I, I'm so notorious. I like. I'm notoriously bad at uh, pronouncing things. I mess up all the time, and I kind of just roll with it usually. So, but thank you. <laughs> so, uh, before we get into the SSA group and what you do for them, um, I wanted to just go over a little bit of a history of, you know, how you got into the culinary fields, and you know. Cause you started at a young age, like this is almost like in your lifeblood. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is all I've ever known. So uh, my mother was actually a waitress when I was a kid and I, I got into the industry because I'd have to go to work with her. Uh, and so I got into washing dishes when I was young, when it was still cool to wash dishes when you were like 10, 11, 12 and you didn't get in trouble. And <laughs> so I'd wash dishes and I'd hang out and watch the chefs mopping and drinking beers and, having a good time. And I said, that's a pretty, pretty fun life. And it, it looked <laughs> like it was just kind of like easy street. And you kind of, the lawlessness of the kitchen was uh, attractive to a, a kid, you know, and I thought it was kind of, you make your own rules and do your own thing. And so I, I got into it at a really young age. It was alluring and I never really got out. Um, tried to do some personal training at the YMCA here and there. And, um, this wasn't for me. I think the the passion was always there to cook and the excitement that the kitchen bring was just something that you, you can't find anywhere else. And I, I think to this day, you know, it's still what keeps me in it. It's the ability to, to meet all kinds of people from all different walks of life. And uh, you guys know that the, the kitchen and culinary itself, it draws everybody, you know, it's somewhere everybody's welcome. And so I think that's what got me into it as a young age, you know, it kind of made me feel welcome and as a kid, we're all trying to find a place and we're all trying to figure out who we are. And, you know, the kitchen made me feel like I had home and it was really cool. And so I stuck with that throughout my career, um, you know, bounced around a little bit. It's been really good to me. Uh, kid from small town Lincoln, New Hampshire. And I, I've been able to travel the world and lived everywhere from Hong Kong to St. Martin, Rwanda, and everywhere in between and Louisiana, uh, Florida, DC. It's been really, really good to me. And so I, I, I would never have imagined that being a chef would take me all the places it has, but it's one of those careers that you get out what you put in. And you know, if you put in a hundred percent and you keep your goals focused, then anything's possible. So, yes. And you know, it's, it's a, it, it, 
from what I've I've read about you, um, it's been like a series of just good good luck opportunities that have come your way and just your own, you know, head down, like hard work. Um, cause you obviously put your, your hours in, you know, you started, I, it, from what I read, you started with like an opportunity that was like, you were 16 and you, you had your first line cook job just because somebody, you know, who previously was, you know, in the line dropped out and yep. you jumped in. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's, that's what culinary is in general, right? It's, it's, it's a lot of luck to, to be successful in this industry. I think it, you put your hours in eventually, you know, you get a chance to shine. You have to be ready to take, take that opportunity. I think that's one of the, the biggest things I could tell anybody who's getting into this industry is, is, is to always, always be ready, you know, to step up. And I think it's, it, there's never a shortage of opportunity to show that you can handle it. It's just a shortage of people having the, the wherewithal to take the opportunity and run with it. And I think that, this industry provides plenty of it, you know, and, and it can be as as monotonous as you'd like it to be, or it can be as much of an adventure as you make it. Yeah. Really, let's highlight the fact that you've had some adventures. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I to date, I don't think I've ever talked to a chef that has prepared meals on top of a volcano. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a pretty, pretty wild adventure so far. I would say Rwanda was one of those places that was was kind of the most eye opening to me. Um, you know, when you you look at food and you look at you know kind of the food system, like being in Rwanda, I had no choice but to be part of the system from the ground up. Right? If you wanted chickens, you raised chickens. If you wanted goats, you raised goats. And, every single time you wanted to eat, it, it came at the cost of a life. And I think that there was just a connection to food that I hadn't had before I moved overseas. Uh, you know, my previous career, I, I always kind of separate my career in Africa prior and after, <laughs> prior to Africa and after Africa, um, because it really was a moment when I, I kind of understood sustainability as a whole. And I understood what what sustainability meant. It was so much more than just like, Hey, where does your fish come from? It was, it was, this is life. And, and sustainability for a lot of people is where's my next glass of water coming from? Where's my next meal coming from? When's the next time I'm going to eat? And, you know, how do you maintain a sustainable cycle when it, when it is about food in general, not just about, you know, where your food comes from, but if you're going to have any. And so I think that that was one of the most eye opening experiences for me and kind of shaped who I am as a chef. You know, we all, look for those moments of, you know, who are we and, and where do we draw our line in the sand? And I think that that was really one of those moments for me that I drew my line in the sand and said, this is who I'm going to be. Yeah. And now I'm going to fast for, I mean, very much fast forward into yeah. when you, you know, joined the SSA group um, and the sharp contrast of having like the, the situation where you're in Rwanda and like, you know, they're, they're raising and, and um, for, you know, making food their their meals out of things that are you know scant in availability but you know to ssa group where you know it's located i think the the corporate location is in um colorado which got started in 1971 um through uh you're breaking up a little bit but uh but i know kevin mc 
uh, McNicholas. It had originally started the the company, um, and then in 1989, he uh, partnered with Tim Brantley, and um, more recently, the SSA. Well, in more recent years, I should say the the Service Systems Associates became the SSA Group in uh, 2020. Yeah. So the, the SSA group was really kind of a culmination of all my experience, right? So it, it, it was started by a family and it's still owned and operated by the same family. And I think that was one of the things that was most enticing to me is that, you know, this is a company who their entire existence is about providing world-class food in the most unexpected environments to families, right? So it's for families by families is the SSA kind of model, right? Like when you come into a cultural attraction, whether it be a zoo or an aquarium or museum, you become part of our family and, and we take care of you like that. And so I think that, you know, that's one of the things that was so cool to me is there's a lot of places you can work in the world and a lot of groups you can work for. And, 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 you know, a lot of times you go through these, uh, interview processes and you hear the the motto and the the drink the juice right and, and this is this is who we are but like SSA truly is a family-owned company that believes in the family values right and it's all about making sure that we provide the most incredible experience in the most unexpected places you know when you walk into a zoo an aquarium museum like the old school is a hot dog and a hamburger and a chicken tender and a pizza right and we still serve those things because that's that's our core we know that you know 50 to 60 percent of our guests that's what they want but it doesn't have to be a hamburger and a hamburger rail anymore or just a you know a cheap hot dog we we want to make sure that if you're coming to our establishments and coming to visit our partners and you're having chicken tenders that those are hand-dipped chicken tenders, you know, with the most amazing breading and the most tender chicken that you're ever going to have. And, and I think it's it's making sure that every experience is memorable, right? When you go to those places, you go there to visit the zoo, right? You don't go, oh, man, I'm going to go have the best food of my life at the zoo. I'm, you're going to the zoo. And part of our charge at SSA is to make sure that we're able to help deliver on that mis- message of conservation and sustainability with our partners. Because unlike a restaurant, or a stadium, or anything even close to those, right? Our partners are conservation-driven, sustainability-driven. Like, that's what they are. And, and whether it's conservation of animals, or conservation of fish, or conservation of artwork at a museum, their job is to protect and tell a story about everything that they're within their privy, right? So they, they're holding on to these things to make sure they're around for the future. And to tell a story. And so our goal in those moments in between when you're like, man, I'm hungry, is to inspire conservation and to tell a story and to get people to want to know more. And so when you think about that from a culinary perspective, that's a huge charge. Like, how do you get somebody excited about conservation at their lunch? And for us, that becomes really, really easy. We're the experts. We get it. And so it's the fish you're serving, right? It's the chicken you're serving. It's where it's coming from. And to be able to get people excited um, you know, we did a, a menu the other day and instead of fish and chips, I put hippoglossus and chips. Everyone said, what's hippoglossus? I said, see, I said, now you want to know. I said, that's the scientific name for a flatfish, a halibut. I said, but you would never have known that before. And it's a fun name. And you see people walk up and go, I want the hippoglossus. Like, that's great. That's funny. Like you, you don't even know what that is. You've never heard it. And you learn something. And so it, it's the ability 
to tell a story in a very quick amount of time that's going to inspire people to want to know more and to leave tomorrow a better place around. And I mean, that definitely throws back to the fact that, you know, these are your partners are all zoos, you know, uh, uh, sorry, zoos, museums and um, why aquariums. So, you know, it's already a situation where you're going there, not just to enjoy the environment, but to learn. Um, So to be able to bring that into what you're eating as well is kind of like a, a an ex, an added bonus yeah it, it's and 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 how cool of a story right like as as cooks and chefs like a lot of what we do is provide meals to satiate an appetite right like here you go here's your food we filled your belly you know and and very rarely do you go somewhere and want to learn so much if you think about 20 years ago nobody cared about the chef any more than they cared about the person who was like changing the oil in your car. It wouldn't be like, like if, if the person coming out to change your oil in your car came out and sat down with you and said, Hey, I want to talk about the color of your oil. I want to talk about the last time you changed it. it smelled kind of funky. It didn't seem right. If you feel it in your fingers, kind of weird. I got your oil from Georgia. Like, no, they'd be like, what are you talking about? And, and, and that was the same as chefs 20, 30 years ago. If somebody came out and told you all this stuff now that, that is expected to be to be talked about or that people want to know, they'd have looked at you like you were crazy. And all of a sudden, food has become so important at the forefront, you know, thanks to the Food Network and programs like that that are making people understand, right? We're never going to go back. No one's ever going to go and say, I want to know less about my food. We've, we've tipped the pendulum too far. People know too much. And now it's, I want to know where it comes from. I want to know where you got it, how you cooked it. You know, what what's the impact of my meal? And so being in a place where conservation and education are so important, it gives us the ability to truly dive headlong into those opportunities and, and, and tell people more, get them excited. Yeah. And I mean, to that not nod, like I definitely have to say, you know, as a foodie, naturally I'm inclined and I always have been towards wanting to know those things, but um, it's, it's <laughs> not to say that, right. You know, not to say like in a negative connotation, but like, normal people or regular people who, you know, previously were just like, yeah, I'm just going to sit down and have a nice meal. They're, they're now getting that, that ooh and awe of like, this is, you know, these are the cheeses that we're offering for charcuterie. Um, and you know, these are the farms where, with which they came from, you know, localized honeys, localized meats, you know, everything kind of, is incorporated into the restaurant industry at this point. And the fact that you're bringing that degree, that level that of importance and impact into a situation where previously we would just show up for, you know, going to the zoo and having like some sort of food cart level um, food, you're, you're offering something where you can, you know, not just sit down and have a, a, a delicious meal, that's, you know, curated with much more thought and effort, you know, you're also taking it to a level where it's like, you know, the innovation of making it um, diverse because with your history, with everything that you've gone, <laughs> gone through in every uh, area of the globe that you've, you know, introduced your yourself to and your culinary expertise to, you know, you're able to bring that to this corporate um, venture and and offer that trickle down the line to the various partnerships. 
I think you, you hit it on the head, right? It's the ooh and the ah. And like, that's, that's always been the charge. That's been our charge as SSA from day one is to create an experience that is so unexpected in an environment where you think you know what you're going to get, you know, in, in, you know, the Monterey Bay Aquarium, for example, you know, when you walk in, like we serve mussels and poke and sushi and, you know, it's a place you never would expect to get that, you know, owning the lion's share, no pun intended, the market, we, we get like nobody else does, you know, so you start talking about 80 plus chefs who only focus on this market segment. That's a lot of people who get it. When you start looking at aquariums and museums and zoos across the country, you know, we truly understand that market better than anybody. And that's such a unique niche to fill. And we love it. We are probably the most passionate people you ever meet, not only about food, but, but about making sure we help educate. And that is our excitement every day. It's what gets us out of bed. Like think about, like I said in the beginning, you know, when you're in high school, you know, you're trying to find your way and you have no idea what you're looking for. And the kitchen was that for me. If I could equate that to a career, you know, I, I, I knew I wanted to be a chef, but I just couldn't figure out what it was. And for a majority of my career, I bounced around. I've now been with the SSA group for nine years because when I got here, I found my people. Like this was my crew. These were people who were focused on telling a story and leaving the world a better place through food. We do food and retail and ticketing as well as digital. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at a, a company that has truly taken the bull by the horns and said, we can help this industry and leave it a better place. It's not just about how do we tell a story in food. It's how do we tell a story of our partners and whether that's through what we sell in retail or how we tell the story on digital through, you know, digital kiosks and ordering processes. Like we are looking at it as an entire ecosystem. And so that way we can look at our partners and say, Hey, you are passionate about conservation of animals, or you are passionate about sustainability of the ocean, or you love preserving these artifacts for the next generations. You focus on that. And let us focus on what we're good at so you can pour all your love and passion into what you love and we'll do the rest. And that's such an incredible piece to look at somebody and say, we can help. And it's, it's more than just a business for us. You know, you said corporate earlier and like, I can't think of a word that feels weirder for our company <laughs> corporate because it's such a family culture and it's such a family unit. And I think that, that understanding that is one of the biggest pieces of this company is we are a, a group that is built for families by families. And, and when you, when you walk in, you can feel it, you know, when you sit down at the table, you can feel it, you know, you're part of something bigger, you know, it's just not a meal. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about it is you're truly having an experience, not just a meal. Thank you. Thank you so much for explaining that. And um, for our listeners out there, can you let, let them know where to find you and um, SSA online? Yeah. So if you go to the SSA group, you'll find us online. Um, but we are all over. Like I said, we have 90, I want to say, plus partnerships now across the United States. Uh, more if you include uh, some that we have retail, some that we have food, some that we have bundled services across the country. Um, and we are always close. Right. And I think that's one of the most cool things about it is you can go, whether it's Cincinnati to the Cincinnati Zoo or to Miami Zoo or San Francisco and Oakland, like we are all over the place from Museum of Pop Culture up in Seattle down to the USS Midway in San Diego. And we are constantly looking 
to grow our family. Um, but the one thing is we're looking for the right opportunities. You know, we want to make sure that we're able to truly make an impact and help drive the story uh, of our clients and make sure that we're adding value to them throughout the process. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matthew, uh, Matthew. And I look forward to the next time that you can join us on food farms and chefs. Um, and for our listeners out there, look for SSA group online to find out their locations. Thank you very much. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing everybody. All right. Have a nice day. And we will be back next week with a fresh new episode. To listen to the rest of Food Farms and Chefs, tune your HD radio to 97.5 WPEN HD2 or stream live from WWDBAM.com.